Amen. The beautiful presence of the Lord is here today. So good to see everybody here, our guests. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us. And um, we know that, that God has something very special for you here today. Today we're going to continue on. We've been doing a series for the last few weeks called Follow the Leader. Been talking about some pretty exciting things. Been talking about things that kind of uh, are a little tough to do, a little challenging. But one thing that we do here at the Life Center is we're committed to to growing in our relationship with Christ. We're committed to to uh, to helping you uh, grow in your relationship with Christ. It's our purpose. It's our calling. And that's what we're doing in this process of following the leader. We're basically talking about the things that Jesus did, the example he set for us. So the first week, just to recap, the first week we talked about what it means to love like Christ, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Second week we talked about submitting to God's plan. Third week we talked about faith, how to have it, how to use it, and how to grow it. And last week, about forgiveness. Powerful, powerful subject. Of forgiveness and how that Jesus left, up, left us an example of how to experience true freedom through forgiveness. There is nothing like the weight of guilt being lifted off of your shoulders when you experience forgiveness. There is nothing like the chains being removed from your heart when you give forgiveness. Right? And it's not easy to do, but it is a godly thing to do. Today we're going to talk about holiness or being holy and you know what does that really mean what does God want why does he want me to live a holy life how could I possibly live a holy life I look at myself in the mirror every morning and holy is not the first thing that pops in my mind generally when I'm brushing my teeth right Uh, we have struggles we have issues but the thing about the thing about Jesus and the fact that we're following the, the talking about following the leader is he didn't leave us with a list of rules and regulations on this is what you got to do to make it. Instead, he said, follow me and I'll take you from where you are to where I know you can be. you got to come to grips with one thing. It's really simple. He is God. You are not. And this is a journey. You do not wake up one morning perfect. I mean, I thought I did, but my wife reminded me that I was incorrect. right none of us are perfect and the challenge that we have with with church things or religion or when we talk about being holy like God is holy the first thing in my mind anyway is I disqualify myself there's no way I can do all those things there's no way I can be all those things because about the time I feel like I've lived a very spiritual day I'll talk to someone who's just blown me out of the water I'm like really (laughs) I thought I was doing pretty good so he didn't give us this, this package of rules for us to follow. And if we check all the boxes correctly, we get to go to heaven. Instead, he said, cast your cares on me. I know you can't do this by yourself. But instead of trying, instead of getting all hoity-toity about how good you are, forget about that and let's come with me. If you think you're amazing, I'll show you what amazing is. If you think you're terrible, I'll show you how you can be better, right? He gave us a path, and that's what we're going to talk about. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. We're going to talk about it specifically about this topic today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Here's the thing. He's the pioneer and the perfecter 
of faith. So he's giving us a path. He's the one that already charted the course. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Look at him. Follow him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 3 kind of tells us why we're following the leader. Because he has been there, has done that, and has left a clear path for us to journey with him. So when you're discouraged, when you're feeling hopeless, just remember, in the face of adversity, he loved the unlovable, he forgave the unforgivable, he reached for the hopeless, all the while he was saying, I'm making this so that you can follow this path. You can do this. Because I'm going to be with you every step of the way. So, we have a pathway that leads to our freedom. So, let's talk about holiness. It sounds complicated. It sounds very, uh, sounds like I should be wearing a robe or something. Holiness. What does it look like? What is it? What is the definition of holiness? The act or quality of being holy. (laughs) Okay, we should go home now. (laughs) The act or quality of being holy. What is holy? Holy is defined this way, exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Wow. One perfect in goodness and righteousness. The definition goes further and says, one that is devoted entirely to the deity or the work of the deity. The first part of that definition reflects Jesus, right? He is the only one perfect in goodness and righteousness on our best day. Perfect in goodness cannot be attached to any of us, right? Definitely not righteous on our best day. The second part of that definition is really our aspiration. That's where we live. It's not about us being perfect in goodness and righteousness, but but rather our devotion entirely to God and His work. That's where we live. If we want to be holy, it's not about us being perfect. It's about us pursuing the one that is perfect. Okay? So... Catch that. That's the premise. I just preached you the whole message right there. But I've got some more things to say about it. So just follow me. That's it right there, right? So let's clarify what holiness looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Look at your neighbor and say, you. You're the temple of God and the, the Spirit of God dwells in you. 17. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is what? It's holy, which temple you are. So if I understand the verbiage properly, basically it says this. This person right here is the habitation for the Spirit of God, and that therefore I'm holy. All right. Let's see what that looks like. We literally become the house of God's Spirit. This realization, when you kind of wrap your mind around the fact that the Spirit of God lives here, I'm holy, I can't be defiled in this temple, it kind of changes our perspective on our mind, what we feed it, on our body, how we treat it, actions that we do. So obviously there's a lot that's wrapped up in that little passage that we just read. Why is holiness important? Well, it's because it's a requirement for a relationship with God. Holiness is a requirement. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone, even that obnoxious neighbor, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's a pretty, I mean, it's a straightforward statement. It's our job to follow peace with all people, try to live a peaceful life with everyone, and to live holy. Because without holiness, we can't see God. So it's a requirement. 
why is it important? Because he is holy. Hebrews 7.24. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely. What a, an amazing verse. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. This is who Jesus is to us. He is going to God on our behalf because he is purity defined. So in my brokenness, in my weakness, in my frail humanity, in my unholiness, I have an advocate. You have an advocate. That is the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of this, I don't know that I can be good enough. Right? Why is it important? Because he dwells within a 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will, this is a scary part, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything uh, uh, done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. Wow. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know. We're reading it again. That you are the temple of God. And that the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone. If anyone defiles the temple of God. God will destroy him. Man. For the temple of God is holy. And again he says. That's you. You're the temple. Wow. Defile. It means to make unclean or impure. To corrupt the purity or perfection of something. To violate the chastity of something. To make physically unclean, especially with something unpleasant or contaminating. To violate the sanctity of. Whew. I don't think there's a one of us in this room today that does that falls somewhere outside of that. At any given moment, I've been guilty of that. And the, the scripture is clear. It says, you know, it's that's a strong message. This is a this is a harsh warning. It's kind of it's kind of cold and unyielding. And it and it references judgment on anybody who defiles the temple of God. And then it goes on to say that I'm the temple of God. So if I do any of these things to defile this temple, I'm guilty and I'm going to be judged and God's going to destroy me. And oh my goodness. Oh. Hopefully there's some good snacks out there today. We're going to need them. <laughs> Comfort food. <laughs> but he didn't leave us there. Failure is imminent. Look at your neighbor and say, failure is imminent. It's imminent. It's imminent. It's hard for something like, or someone like you and I, it's hard for us who are unholy by nature to expect that we can be holy, compare ourselves to a God who who embodies holiness and purity. I mean, we're, we're out of the game before we ever start. The psalmist said it this way, I was born in sin and 
shapen in iniquity. I was conceived in, in destruction and death. I mean, I have all the chips stacked against me. There's no hope for me. I'm just, I'm a loser. Womp womp. Going to eat worms. You know, nobody loves me. It's awful. But it's the reality of it. We're all sinners. And so he tells us this strong message of you're, you're, you're now housing the Spirit of God. You're the holiness of God. And, and you can't defile that temple. And if you do, there's going to be trouble. But I told you he didn't leave us a rule book, did he? He left us a pathway. And he didn't just leave us a pathway like Hansel and Gretel with breadcrumbs in the forest and the birds came along and ate it. Instead, he said, if you want to follow this path, I won't just leave a path for you. I will walk every step of the way on this path with you. He did not leave us. He will not forsake us. He has given us hope that on our journey with him, it is not about our destination, folks. It's about our journey with Christ. If we walk with him, we'll end up in the right spot. Don't sweat whether or not it's heaven or hell. Sweat whether or not you're living with Jesus today and you won't have to worry about either one of them. Right? The thing about religion, if we're not careful, is we get focused on the destination and the actions to get there and we completely rule out the person that makes it all possible and the one who really takes us where we're trying to go. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me. And if I walk with him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Thursday, whatever day of the week it is, if I'm just walking with him that day, he's going to work things out. In Romans chapter 7, uh, verse 20, now, you've got you to love this passage of Scripture. It, Paul's writing is sometimes schizophrenic sort of sounding. He's all over the map. But you've got to follow it, right? Romans 7, 20 and 24. Now, if Paul's talking here, if I do what I do, do not want to do, it is no longer I who is doing it, but it's sin that's living in me that does it. In other words, I want to do the right thing, but I keep doing the wrong thing. It's not me, but there's this sin in my life. So if I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Show of hands. <laughs> Amen. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. In other words, I love God with my heart. I want to do the right thing, but I always have this evil. It's always with me. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then verse 24 is exactly what I would have said. What a wretched man I am. I mean, this is hopeless. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So here's the deal, right? It's, it's, Paul's explaining something. It's kind of, you know, you have to really read through it to understand. You identify with it. But I think the best description that I have of this battle, and my son's not here today, probably better that he's not, <laughs> was when Nathaniel was about three years old. So, you know, he was, he was growing up. He had his big boy bed, you know, and, and so it was time for him to, you know, cribs gone, big boy bed, and and, uh, you know, we, the whole routine at night, we'd go tuck him in, I'd pray with him, we'd talk a little bit, get him all snuggled in his bed, and good night, and stay in bed, don't get out of bed, you know, see you in the morning. So we'd go out of the room, close the door, and, you know, if we had company over, we'd be in the living room, or if we were just doing our whatever evening activities, 15 minutes, you see his little bald head poke around the corner. From somewhere in the house. Just poke around here, big grin, like, guess he's not in bed. <laughs> and of course, you know, I want you to get out of bed. Let's go get out of bed. Get out of bed again. You're going to be trouble. 
Judgment's coming. The wrath of God and everything else. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I stay in bed. And delete the room. Five minutes. Here's that head again. I'm telling you, he would do it. He would get a spanking. I, I, there was one time, it was, it was hilarious. I said, I'm going to take all of your toys if you do this again. I cleaned his room. There was not a thing in his room except his bed. Uh, <laughs> it's like when I'm reading this passage of Paul, it totally, that's the picture that popped in my mind. It's like, I will stay in bed, I promise. I don't want to get out of bed. I can't help it. I just have to go see what's happening in the rest of the house. I just can't help myself. There, I, I, it, would, it would get in trouble. He'd be crying, tears running down his cheeks. I'm sorry, I'll stay in bed. And it's like there was a tractor beam just sucking him out of the room. He couldn't help himself. This lasted for like six months. My wife and I were considering... Uh, you know, I don't know, put him up for sale, put him on Craigslist. We were thinking about running away. I mean, just whatever. This kid, we tried everything we could imagine. Yeah. We were like, we weren't sure. Is he going to make it? Think he's going to be all right? Think there's something else that we haven't noticed? <laughs> he's proven to be a pretty successful young man. So, <laughs> it kind of, that was the mental picture that popped in my head when I'm reading this struggle. That's funny, right? But when it comes to an addiction, It's the same thing, right? When it comes to our anger problem that we cannot get rid of, right? I know I don't want to do this. Boom. Can't help it, right? Paul said it. I would do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. It really, God's law, I love it. It's in my heart. I really do love God. I really do want to live the right way. Boom. Then this happens, and I'm just right back. The same rage, the same attitude, the same problem. Here's the thing you got to understand that you cannot do this by yourself. He says to us that He expects us to be holy. It's impossible. And He knows it is. So instead of leaving that hanging out there, He says, but don't worry about it. I've got a plan for you. I know you can't do this by yourself. I know you're not capable of being holy because you're broken from the beginning. But don't worry about it. I'll pay for it, and I'll walk you through every step of the way. You'll beat that addiction. You'll overcome that problem. You'll change that attitude because if you walk with me, I will give you what you need to make it. The leader left us a clear path in 1 John. I love this passage. 1 John chapter 1. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. The apostles talking here. We've seen all these things. We're talking to you about it. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father, with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But there's another verse coming. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, get this, purifies us from all sin. Purifies. You know, it gets rid of all the contaminants. It cleanses us. His blood cleanses us. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And here it is, verse 9. However, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just 
and will forgive us our sins and purify us. There's that word again. From all unrighteousness. He says as clear as we can hear it, be holy as I am holy. You've got to be holy. Without holiness, you can't see God. He puts the standard high. It's unattainable. But he says, but don't worry about it. Come to me. You confess your sins, I'll purify you. You you understand that when you do things wrong, when you fail, when you struggle, when you battle your fight, your your, your addiction, your struggle, your attitude, whatever it is that's, that's pulling you down, you have an advocate. You can take that to God. You can lay that down at His feet, and He will purify you. You can live a holy life because Jesus paid for you to live a holy life. Amen. How do I apply this kind of holiness in my life. The holiness of God is in His sinless character, His purity, His righteousness, His unwavering love for mankind. It's in His divinity. It's wrapped up in who He is. But for us to live a life of holiness is not about the things that we do. It's about the action of following the one who is holy. He covers us with His righteousness if we're following Him. If we begin to follow Him with complete devotion, What will begin to happen is we'll start to have a change of who we are and we'll begin to conform into His image. We'll soon begin to bear evidence or fruit that His Spirit lives within us. Things like love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things that we all practice every day and are very good at, right? When we start following Him, slowly our identity changes from the problem child we may have been to a child of God who begins to show the same things that he possesses. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our true and proper worship is not about things that we do. It's about our commitment and our devotion to giving our life to God. If you expect to be perfect before you start following Christ, you've lost the battle before you got to, ever got out of the gate. We'll never be good enough. We'll never be smart enough. We'll never be perfect enough to earn God's grace. Instead, he said, don't worry about trying to earn it. How about you come to me and let me just give it to you and let me take you from where you are to where I know you can be. What a promise. What a promise. We do not have to uh, conform to the patterns. What are the patterns of the world? What does he mean by the patterns of the world? Things like anxiety, fear, hatred, addiction, unforgiveness, ungratefulness, selfishness, uncaring, broken marriages, abuse, any manner of destructive behavior that you do not want to be a part of, that's the pattern of the world. And it doesn't matter your history, what matters is your tomorrow. And he said, if you let me walk with you, I'll change your tomorrow. And you don't have to live and conform to the patterns of this world. Maybe people are expecting you to fail. Guess what? Walk with me and you won't have to fail. Maybe they're just expecting you to be that loser. Walk with me and you don't have to be what they're expecting you to be. Don't believe the lies that people speak over you. Things you've heard throughout your life. 
Instead, what does God say about you? When he begins to have a, a, a voice in our life, our minds begin, trans, begin to be transformed and renewed because we start to hear what God says about us, not what everybody else says about us. And then as we begin to experience that, we begin to experience freedom. And we begin to experience freedom. We begin to see the God purpose for our life. And then you know what we do? We get to understand and see what that good, pleasing, and perfect plan that God has for you and for me. It's a decision. It's a choice we make. We can be holy people because he gave us a path to follow. I can't do it by myself, but I can sure follow him. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow feeling, per- well, I might feel perfect. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow perfect. Far from it. But if I wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? Jesus, walk with me today. Lead me today. Help me with my challenges today. Help me with my struggles today. Help me when I face that thing that's like my, my staples easy button. It just pushes my trigger. Help me when that moment happens that I follow you through that. And you lead me through that. And you help me navigate that challenge. When I'm tempted, God, with a thing that always seems to wrap me up, help me in that moment. Walk me around that obstacle. Walk me through that shadowy valley where I'm afraid, where I know that I always fail right here. Walk me through that. You know what? And when I walk through that, if I stumble, if I fall, all I have to do is confess to him and he makes me pure again. Jesus came to break the bondage of unholiness and the guilt of trying to be holy when we can't. He came to a, a into a world that was wrapped up in rules and regulations and structure and nobody except a few elite people got to live it out. Everybody else was under condemnation and guilt and shame all the time. Every time they did something, someone was there to crack the whip. Every time they failed, someone was there to remind them of their failure. That's where Jesus came. And when Jesus came there, he said, you know what, I'm going to break this. I'm going to change this because I originally intended for man to have communion with God. And we're going to fix that problem. So in Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Jesus paid the price so that you and I can live a holy life. He came to show us what holiness on the earth looks like. And then he died so that you and I could experience that holiness for ourselves. Wow. What an amazing, amazing promise. Colossians 1, 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. That's what Jesus did for you and me. To present us to God completely holy, without blame, without blemish, free from accusation. The word reconciled there means brought into agreement or harmony, to make compatible or consistent. God, through the the, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid, reconciled us. And the only stipulation, the only requirement is for us to pursue him and he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. We grow in holiness. Ephesians chapter 2, worship team, you guys can come. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, consequently, 
You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Listen, listen to this, and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22. This is amazing. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Remember the first verse we read? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Spirit of God? Don't you know that? And don't you realize that if you defile that temple, God's going to judge it? God's going to judge you? It's like, okay, you give me something great, and then you give me a big price tag attached to it. Come on. I can't afford that. But he says, don't worry about it sacrifice that I made reconciles you puts you back where you're supposed to be blameless perfect next time you're in an argument with your wife just look at her and say look I'm perfect it won't go very far don't do that perfect because he covers you with his righteousness and his holiness and he gives us a promise that says you're going to be built together to become the dwelling place for the Spirit. So, so here's the message. I hope you grasp this. The message is you are being built together to become. So don't quit because you mess up. 